Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Come back to Asia and the Center for Creative Leadership, uh, a top-ranked global provider of executive education, uh, launched a new research report called Global Asian Leader from Asia for the World. Now, it's looking back at some data collected in 2017 and revising it and looking at the persistent gap in Asian leadership representation uh, globally. Uh, very important topic as we look at uh, the, the future and, and current state of businesses. Uh, joining us now to unpack this, talk more about it, is Alisa Malice, the Managing Director and Vice President of APAC at the Center for Creative Leadership. We also call it CCL. And Sunil Puri, who is the Senior Director and the Head of Asia Pacific Research Innovation and Product Development, also at CCL. Great to have you both with us today. Elisa, good morning. How are you? Great, Glenn. Thanks. Wonderful to be here. Good. You can pull that microphone a little bit closer to you. And Sunil, welcome. Hey, well, uh, good morning, Glenn. Glad to be here. Uh, Looking forward to a fun discussion. Great to have uh, both of you with us uh, at the moment. And Elisa, why don't you first kind of set the stage for us. This current report is based on some research you had done earlier in 2017. You've updated it. Give Give us kind of a background on it. Yeah, sure, Glenn. So, you know, we're reaching our 20th anniversary in Asia. And especially in the last few years, we've really invested in looking at leadership through an Asian lens. So the first study, 2017... Rightly so, right? (laughs) Not enough. In fact, most of uh, contemporary leadership development has been researched in the Western world. So, um, you know, that's been our commitment. And in 2017, we had Global Asian Leader, the first Global Asian Leader, where we really were trying to see what's getting in the way for more Asian leaders to get into those regional and global roles. And we, you know, identified that there is definitely what we call a bamboo ceiling. Mm. Now, you know... Since then, we've worked with uh, many of our clients helping to build their pipeline of Asian leaders, and we have learned a lot, and we had a huge pandemic, mm. and we have had other megatrends that have you know, really reshaped the landscape. So we became very curious to say, what's happened since then? Hmm. Has there been progress? Uh, what's changed, what's worked. And uh, that's why we launched Global Asian Leader 2.0. We sort of repeated the study, uh, which uh, includes a number of countries in the region, many, many interviews, and so on. And, you know, what did we discover? Well, good news, there's progress in terms of the capabilities of Asian leaders in uh, the five attributes that we consider kind of the common recipe of success in global leadership roles, uh, which are courage, curiosity, trust, influence, and strategic thinking. Both Asians inside Asia and Asians outside of Asia, the scores increased in terms of capability for all five of those, and especially influence and curiosity, two which are very, very important. We saw really, you know, good increases. However, that is not translating into more Asian leaders in the top executive leadership teams of organizations. And we looked at the top 200 organizations globally in terms of revenue. A third of those are actually Asian multinationals. But, you know, focusing on the Western multinationals, uh, in fact, the percentage of Asians in those top executive leadership teams decreased. If we look at U.S. multinationals, it went from 8% to 4%. And so that is a significant increase. You know, what's very interesting is that when you have a non-native CEO, Hmm. the percentage of Asians in the executive leadership team doubles. 
Uh, and that doesn't. That is interesting. It doesn't have to be an Asian, just non-native. So, you know, if you're a German company, that you'd have a, a CEO who's from another country. If you're an American company, that you'd have a, you know, a global CEO from another country. And so to us, one discovery in these last few years was that the global Asian leader journey is, in fact, a equity, diversity, and inclusion journey. It's about underrepresented groups at the top. So, you know, so many of the organizations, such a big part of the workforce, of the revenue, of the consumer base, the client is here. And if you don't have enough of a perspective, you really are uh, missing out. Mm -hmm. Just to make a couple of points that are Singapore specific, mm. um, and this comes from the American Chamber Manpower Study that we co-author uh, with the Chamber. Uh, there also, we do see that there are more Singaporean leaders moving, being promoted into senior roles this year. There was a significant uptick from last year. So that's great news. However, that is not translating into more Singaporean leaders in regional roles. That mm. is stagnant. And also, it's not translating into more Singaporean leaders playing a regional role from another country in the region. So while we have progress in some areas, in fact, we have lost traction over these last few years in a few areas. Mm. Uh, well, let's bring Sunil in to follow up on that, maybe. So if I'm hearing it right, we are seeing progress in terms of the skill sets, which is important, but it's not necessarily translating in the regional workplace with this bamboo ceiling, Sunil. What are some of the reasons you think behind that trend? So a couple of reasons, Neil. Uh, you know, if you think about it, there are some systemic or organizational issues that are stalling the growth of Asian executives into regional roles, and then there are some individual skill and will issues. On the organizational front, you know, if you are headquartered in a country and you're looking at uh, leaders or your uh, operations in another country, sometimes there are trust issues. There are value gaps that happen between the headquarters and leaders in the other issue, in, in the other locations. And also, you know, organizations sometimes have a lot of room to run in terms of their talent management programs. And are they recruiting for leaders who are regional ready or global ready? Uh, are they losing leaders to the market or their competitors and so on and so forth? And then there are individual reasons. There are skill issues around uh, lack of courage, curiosity, trust, strategic thinking and influencing skills and uh, aspiration to move out of Singapore, if you will, you know, because it's, 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 it's the best country in the region. Why would I want to move to a developing country like, uh, you know, in, in the neighborhood or outside of the region? So uh, there, are multiple, uh, there, there are multiple drivers, but the good thing around this is, uh, Neil, that the government is cognizant of it. You know, the recent announcement of Singapore Global Executive Program or uh, scheme uh, in the budget uh, fairly recently targets this. You know, the government knows that we need to solve for this and there are specific actions to uh, take around these. Mm -hmm. Also, if you look at the last uh, couple of years, uh, Neil uh, and Glenn, there are also uh, some uh, geopolitical, you know, trends that are emerging in the region and outside of it and globally. And some of these trends have uh, literally resulted in uh, national borders being uh, much harder to sort of cross, if you will, from a talent standpoint. Visas may be harder to come by. Also, there is some nationalism at play, if you think about it, in various countries. Mm. Um, if you're looking at uh, leaders leaving Asia and going to the West, some racism and, you know, some episodes of racism, if you will which kind of sort of impacts the aspirations that leaders have to leave their home shores. So at, at, at a high level, systemic issues that are pushing leaders back and then individual skill and aspiration issues. 
Well, there's a a lot to unpack there as we talk with Sunil Puri, the senior director, head of Asia-Pacific Research uh, at the Center for Creative Leadership, and also Elise Malice, managing director and vice president of APAC at CCL as well. Uh, uh, Elisa, having been in Singapore for uh, nearly 20 years and Asia for 30 years, we have definitely seen a shift in and an appropriate one into Asian leadership. So when I first came to Singapore in 2004, it was still very much multinationals were headed by a typically a white male from either Europe or North America, um, if it was a global entity here, not a Singapore-based company. And, and appropriately, in the past 15 years, we've seen that change quite drastically. I have, anyway, with the clients that I work with and the things that I do. And so to hear your report uh, or to, to read about your report, it actually surprises me because I felt like the trend was heading the right direction. And then, of course, we layer female management on top of that and board members and things. And it seemed like there had been some progress. But I'm, I'm feeling from this discussion like there, there hasn't maybe been as much as we might have thought. Is that a correct way to – Look at this. That's right. And, you know, when I'm in the U.S. and talking to different boards of directors, there's also a perception that there's been more progress in this area. Yeah. I think one thing that can help us distinguish is one of the polarities we highlight in the report, which is Asians for Asia and Asians for the world. Hmm. And so there has been more progress in Asians for Asia getting leadership in country, a uh, Singaporean leader in country as the leader so you can win in Singapore. What we're really and, – and many times organizations feel like they're having to make a trade-off or they're going one way or the other. What we really need more of is uh, Asians for the world. And so when we talk about those top executive leadership teams, they're the top team for the whole company globally. That is where the Asian representation is missing. Hmm. Now, why is it important? I think, you know, Sunil talk about these shifts. Uh, you know, we see – uh, especially uh, with the pandemic, separation, we see hypernationalism, we see discrimination globally. Mm. And when it comes to international organizations and business, if we don't have that diverse representation, uh, we are going to, I think, see an increase in the kind of discrimination, separation, and so on. When we get all the uh, voices at the table, right. we're also going to be able to solve for the world. We're going to have the best thinking. And so it's also investing in having the Asian voice at the global table, uh, in the global discussion, not just heading Asia. Mm, got it. Yeah. Just to follow up from that, are businesses doing enough in that regard? And what more can and should they be doing to attract the best Asian talent? Yeah, well, there are many blockers. And so from our first study, what we discovered is most people look at the individual level blocker, blockers. You know, what's the capability gap? But in fact, and now a few years later, most of the real blockers are actually organizational level blockers. And it needs to start in the global headquarters, which is often the most significant blocker. Often the leaders in headquarters have, in some cases, less of a global mindset Hmm. uh, than individuals themselves. So we talk about hardwiring diversity of nationalities and global roles, setting up committees. Uh, One of our clients uses an Asia Talent Council to track, uh, you know, how many Asian leaders. It really is something you have to invest in from the top. 
recurring fund for overseas rotations. One of the things we saw uh, now with, with this pandemic is global exposure continues to be one of the must-have experiences. Uh, and, you know, much of that did get replaced with what we call a virtual pack, global nomad. Here in Singapore, it could be a Singaporean leader having the opportunity to play the global role from Singapore. Mm. How wonderful. And yeah. no one can argue that's uh, a negative, right? It, it's good. However, uh, it doesn't replace the exposure of the overseas assignment. It is a good stepping stone. So for those who got to play those roles regionally and globally, we would say continue, use that as a stepping stone, and still do the cultural boundary spanning. Um, Go out there. And we've lost traction. So organizations need to really kind of double down. Some approaches we've seen are multi-axis global rotations, backpacker assignments, getting people out there at a younger age, early career, 9 to 12 months. Uh, We've seen um, dedicated Asian talent programs um, on the rise as well. And in fact, our Global Asian Leader Program, we have another uh, cohort coming up in the spring, and we work with a number of the companies here, you know, a bespoke program for Asian talent that really kind of helps address um, Mm. exposure Mm. is one of the very, continues to be one of the very key elements. We're speaking with Alisa Malice and Sunil Puri, both of the Center for Creative Leadership, and their new report called Global Asian Leader from Asia for the World, noting that the percentage of Asian leaders in global companies is not uh, where it should be. There's a gap there, uh, and uh, they are trying to address that. And Sunil, uh, if I can just go back to you, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but if, if we are looking at trying to upskill and trying to make Asian leaders more attractive for some of these global roles, whether they're based in Singapore or out. Um, Elisa just mentioned a couple of things with with these uh, uh, programs that you have going, but what would you say is one or two key traits of of a global leader, a global Asian leader that, that leaders in this part of the world should be trying to focus or develop on? So a couple of things jump out, uh, uh, Glenn. Uh, one is the aspiration to go global. You know, global roles are hard. You need to work at crazy hours. You need to take mm. calls. You need to travel. Your spouses may not have a compelling career. The kids need to move. So I would say number one is aspiration. And uh, that's the key driver in a lot of uh, leaders, in, in, in especially in Singapore, we see that. The other, the other area that leaders need to work on is uh, curiosity and courage. And, uh, you know, and there are multiple ways to do that. You can put leaders through rotations. You can put them on global projects. You can uh, put them on tough assignments, crucible roles, non-obvious career paths. So the underlying, the underlying driver being that you need to make leaders comfortable with discomfort so that when they step into a regional or a global role, they can hit the ground running. Mm. Alisa, just finally, I'll leave the most controversial question to last. You mentioned nationalism before. One of the biggest, if not the biggest gripe we've heard in recent years is that a global company, whatever the nation of origin, if they set up in Singapore, they will invariably employ their own people. So whatever country they're from, there'll be an influx from that country. Have you seen anything, uh, any evidence of that? And what should be done about it, if anything? Um, So you mean, you know, if a German company sets up, they're going to bring... Germans and, and so on and so on. I think absolutely, you know, uh, the approach that Singapore is taking and, you know, uh, Prime Minister, uh, uh, Deputy Prime Minister Lawrence 
uh, Wong mentioned uh, just last week to the uh, Singapore Economic Policy Forum, stay open, develop local. Mm. And, um, you know, the approach is that we bring the best top talent and that also kind of lifts Singapore, lifts Singaporeans. And I I believe, uh, you know, it's the right economic approach. As different multinationals come in, what we see is that, um, in fact, they do bring diverse talent, top talent from uh, around the world here to Singapore. And, um, you know, going um, uh, by industry and organization by organization, do they have more from their particular home country uh, leadership? I think the answer would be yes, Neil. Uh, That that. Diversity will be increasing in the last few years. They would have people, not just more Singaporeans, but people from other countries. But again, I'll go back to saying that the good thing we're seeing is that there are more uh, Singaporean leaders taking the top positions here, which is absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And um, just you know, one final thought. I think it is very important going forward when we look at what is the great global leader of the future. It is someone... Uh, who is perhaps different than what we see today. We see failed leadership all over the world today. And I think that great global leader of the future is going to have some aspects of Asian leadership. Hmm. Humility, agility are just a couple of those. So for young Singaporean and Asian leaders, I would say, you know, be curious, be courageous, be adaptable, step into this because the world needs great global leaders from all countries. Perfect. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Very, very interesting topic and one uh, that is not going away anytime soon. If you want to get more information, you can go to ccl.org, ccl.org, uh, the Center for Creative Leadership. Uh, in the meantime, thanks very much to Elisa Malis, Managing Director and Vice President, and Sunil Puri, Senior Director and Head of Asia Pacific Research, both at CCL. Great to have you both with us today. Thank you, Glenn. A pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Sunil. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you. You bet. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.